yeah, it was painful, emotionally and physically painful. In the end, it poured with rain and they all had to get, half of them had to get airlifted out. A global pandemic strap. And there were millipedes and I'm scared of millipedes. I sat down in the middle of the millipedes crying. Well, some sort of arsehole would have been, I could bring one beer out. Like, what do you think of me, mate? Got back to the car, couldn't feel my fingers, toes, covered in mud, my shoes were completely trashed. And then he jumped straight out in front of me, I just plowed straight into him. Can you do the backup? Do I need to slow down? I don't think I'm why? Or am I doing really good? Chafing can derail your race and, you know, we've got to take care of the nether regions. The electric fence was the worst. <laughs> I still haven't quite gotten over that. Hi, and welcome to Tales from the Midpack. I'm your host, Rebecca Hunt. I'll be bringing you stories from everyday runners, experts and some race recaps. Today we are talking to Terry Cleary. Welcome to the show. Uh, now on Sunday, July 18th, you started a walk from, am I saying it right, Karuma? Karumba. Karuma. On the Gulf of Carpentaria all the way to Cape Jarvis. An epic journey of 3,075 kilometres over three months, which was 92 days worth. Uh, and I think you passed through the lands of 23 different nations uh, on this trek. And I found out about what you were up to when I was camping uh, near Barra in the school holidays and a friend of mine got really excited saying you were nearby and I should talk to you because you've got such a great story. Uh, but before we get into your trek, uh, let's get listeners to find out a bit more about you. So when you are not doing transcontinental walks of thousands of kilometres, what do you get up to in your normal life? Uh, Rebecca, I've been living in Darwin for the last eight and a half years. Um, and uh, I worked for Anglicare NT uh, as an executive there. And um, the f one of the funny stories about this trek is that I actually um, went and got a work coach who suggested that um, I, I went to the work coach to get a work-life balance to help me get a work-life balance. And I thanked her the other day for failing miserably, but for motivating me to actually do the, to believe I could do this trek. Um, and then there's another um, John friend when I had my 60th birthday came down. He said, he said, so let me get this right. You're actually doing a a cross a transcontinental trek to get a work-life balance. What sort of bloody <laughs> job are you doing around yeah. that in terms of it? Um, but I, I've been working really long hours, like 60, 70 hours a week for yeah. about eight and a half years around right. that in terms of it. Um, so you deserved a bit of time back, really. Yeah, you know, one of the things which I said, um, like I was really hoping to get back into running and to run it, and um, uh, I just knew fitness-wise we, we got to the point where I was doing a lot of fitness. I came back last year and ran Yarrabilla, the unofficial year with Kim. And oh, you did the fat ass of Kim, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, and um, uh, I did it, did it with Kim Williams, and, and we had a... a Kate and others came out that day around it. Um, so we're getting, I was getting my fitness back and then we decided to move back to Adelaide and sell the house. Yeah. And my fitness last program, everything went out the door the last um, seven or eight months around that. So, uh, so it then became, I'll just see if I can walk it around yeah. it in terms of it. So I've been doing that. Um, the, one of the things which I did when I went up to Darwin originally when I wasn't so busy was I actually started the Litchfield Tabletop uh, Ultra. 
okay. which we ran for three years yeah. and, um, and would have been really happy to keep going, but it just became too much with work around mm. that. So, um, and we, we were trying to get trail running going in the NT and I just ran out of puff okay. around that. So. so there's not a big trail running community up there? No, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, a running club a bit like um, nowhere near as uh, like Sark. It's a it's a road runners club, yeah. And um, they they tr- they run every Wednesday night, um, and they do other runs. But it's it's just so hot and humid in yeah. terms of that. You know, the first time I went out with them, I thought five k nothing, yeah. and I had problems finishing. In, oh right, wow. in, in the the level of humidity and stuff. You know, they had um, Darwin had its hottest night last night on record twenty eight degrees or something for October or something yeah. last night. So, you know, imagine it's um, that's the coolest time of the night, so it would have been 30 with immense humidity and they run Wednesday night. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what it, before that I, um, uh, I got into trail running when I started doing marathons in, when I was living in Sydney in the um, uh, mid-1990s and did the first trail run I did was the um, six foot track in 96, 97 or something around that. Yeah. So, um, and I just had, I just loved it. Yeah. And um, in those days, you could just turn up for the, um, uh, I just turned up in the morning and entered. There were about 300 people. These days, yeah. with six foot track, it, it sells out in about 10 minutes. Wow. You've got to qualify and all those things. So, that that's, so I've been, been doing mm. trail running for, a few years now. Yeah. Um, interesting, I remember when I got into that, I just loved it so much, I tried to get all my mates into it, and they said, no, nah, they're just into marathons. <laughs> and, and, and then that's when I came back here and, and was part of the start of Eurobilla, um, when it was just a, it was running with road runners and said to someone, we should be doing, we, we should run Eurobilla, and John Glowick said, what's Eurobilla? And I said, it's, it's a trail, and, and, yeah. and then it, it happened. Was it a well-marked and well-used trail then? Yeah, no, it was, it's, it's always been a walking trail yeah. and well-marked in terms of it, and, um, but wasn't very well-known. Um, and um, so like when I said to people we're going to do it, um, they said What's your, no one knew what Eurobilla was. Um, and then, um, uh, so I actually went out and walked it over three days and worked out where all the support stops were around yeah. that um the funny story about that is gabby who's here tonight um i said to her look we're only no one no one was doing any long distances then mm-hmm. yeah, there'd been a spate a long time before that where and then ultra running died and um uh we um i said to gabby this is we'll never be silly enough to do this again it's a one-off and so <laughs> i asked her if she would cater for it and um and so uh, we did it as a one-off mm-hmm. and we had like 10 support stops and she was there every... And she did it beautifully with mm-hmm. tables and flowers and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And everyone just was blown away by how easy it was because we just ate so much all day. <laughs> yeah. And it was, like, and we, yeah. it was like a gourmet ultra. Yeah. And we ran it as a group around that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, until the, about three-quarters of the way through and people went split up and went... You know, it was so much fun that... I went to Alice Springs after that, and, and while I was there, um, Sark made a decision to make it an annual event around that. Mm. When I came back, I came back in, in July, I was there in Alice for about seven or eight months, 
and uh, David Close had signed up to be um, oh, yeah. race director. And, yeah. and David said to me, um, do you want to be race director? It's your, it's your run. And I said, no, no, no. Never, if someone else is race director, you never put your hand up <laughs> no. to do that. But no. what I wanted to do, particularly the whole time I was in Alice, I was running on the trails, bits of the Larapenta and all, mm. all around Alice. Alice is just um, amazing. And the, the bike tracks that are quite famous now around Alice suburban Alice all through the, the, the McDonald's around Alice um, they were people they were they were great to run on but they weren't as um, as clean as that now they're just incredible now um, so I, when I came back I just had this great desire to um, get to run in Adelaide Hills mm. and so so um, we got together after the the second year of Villa we put out a monthly calendar of um, trail runs in the in in the Adelaide Hills. The very first one we did was Mount Misery. Oh, yep. You know, throw them in the deep end. Yeah, yeah. well, we really wanted something. That's right. Really wanted something that was um, close to Adelaide. Um, that was, the, the, I ran with a group at Athelston, and um, like this was just the next level beyond where we ran. We used to run up the Corkscrew, and it was just up Valley Road from there, and. Uh, and we had about 29 people turn up for that, and I thought, we're on to something here. Mm. And then we did the first, in that first thing, we did Pioneer Women's Trail, Cedar Summit, um, the three Eurobilla training runs. Yep. They were all part of the calendar. And I wanted to just change them all the next year. But everyone said, They're no. still going. I know, <laughs> that's what I mean. There's a whole lot of those runs. Yeah. And some of the runs that, that I did... Um, I race directed them when we had five or six hundred people for Pioneer and for um, Cedar Summit, um, the um, and then Summit to Sea as well. Um, they they stopped doing it after I left. They did yeah. it for a year and it just became too hard to organise. Yeah, because the end to end runs around yeah. there. But um, Ben's got Cedar Summit happening again mm-hmm. in Hogging and. Um, the Pioneer Women's Trail walk still continued because oh, yeah. we did it as a partnership with the the National Trust. Yeah, I ran that with some mates um, a couple of weeks ago. It was the first time I'd done that. Yeah, it was great. It's a beautiful yeah. trail. Yeah. In terms, anyway, so when I the other day when I got to um, uh, as part of my trek, I walked the spur. There's an actual Heisen Trail spur, a little bit different than that. And I walked out to Handoff just to have morning tea with the, nice. the women that I did the, um, uh, that I've kept in contact with, yeah. who are now running the um, Pioneer Women's Trail walk every year. Yeah, part of that. that was good. So, you know, it's lovely. A little bit of history. That's right. There's yeah, a, no, no, go. Anyway, and so for the last um, years I've been in Darwin, it's been really fun just to watch all the development of trail running. Mm having left it all and being yep. part of it from the beginning and just watch it um, go crazy Yeah. in terms of that. I think the other thing that we say about trail running, you know, when we started, there were no such thing as trail shoes. No. And there were no packs. All, that, all those have come in as innovations around that. And I think the other thing was the, it, trail running sort of came in at the development of the internet, really, in terms of... Um, you know, uh, re- we, you know, even f- when we started trail running, we were all doing all cool runnings. Mm. That, I remember that. It's a long time ago. So, you, yeah. so <laughs> and then we moved out of cool runnings to Facebook to spread the word mm. around all that. So it, it, we were just, and 
and we were on it was just so much fun because we were on the it was like surfing a wave yeah there was just so much interest and excitement and we made contact with everyone around Australia through the internet and went and traveled yeah. to do those other events and um and you know Adelaide lends itself it's one of the best places to do running in the world there's no doubt about that it is extraordinary when you go and compare to any other capital city in Australia um Sydney Melbourne even Brisbane around that it's so difficult to get groups of people to a common place because mm. you've got to spend hours to get across the city yeah, yeah. Adelaide yeah see you at Cleveland you know like, yeah yeah see you at I came through the other day on the walk through um, uh, across the Barossa to Bethany and then up to Kaiserstuhl. And Kaiserstuhl is one of my favourite parks to run in. Yeah. And it annoyed me that I could never get many people up there because it was too, too far away. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it's just so, so beautiful yeah. around there. So I don't know whether... Um, anyway, it's yeah, been we're very so wonderful for me just to sit in Darwin, watching <laughs> the development of uh, yeah. of you know so many. Oh, groups. it's so busy now. Yeah, it's you you spoil for choice. Like, there's multiple things happening all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just even I've only been doing this for maybe what five ish years. And it's exploded in that time. Yeah, no, yeah. that's right. There's, there's, I used to run with the group on, from Athelstone on Wednesday nights, and there were a number of South African guys there, um, people who immigrated from South Africa, and they used to say that they used to run marathons every weekend because they were cheap around uh, Johannesburg or Cape Town where they lived. And, um, and the rest of the time they just did... Um, small runs to un- you know just relax and unwind yeah. and I sort of feel like that, that's a bit now if you can afford it <laughs> is there's a marathon or an ultra on every weekend of every Pretty second much. weekend <laughs> that you could just actually um, get your body to a level of fitness that you just go and run them every weekend and then the rest of the time you um, uh, just recover yeah do whatever you want anyway yeah <laughs> Now, probably one of the first questions you've been asked over and over. I know you said you were looking for work-life balance and needed a break from such intense work. So there's one reason you were doing something different. But why walk from the top of Australia to the bottom? There probably, sometimes there isn't a why. It's just something yeah, you no, want to do. But. No. So I've supported a lot of people, particularly living in Darwin. Mm-hmm. But even before that, I've supported a lot of people that have done these crazy things. Tony Mangan, who's the um, Irishman that ran around the world okay. and then walked around the world, is in the process of walking around the world. So he's actually the most walked run person in the human history that we know of, I think. Like he's up around 90,000 kilometres. Mm-hmm. Um, but he spent four years running around the world and someone put me in touch with him. So I looked after Tony when he came through Darwin. Yeah. Um, and then... He came back four years later when he was walking, and he he went from um, uh, Perth to Sydney, and I thought I wasn't going to catch up with him. And he was enjoying so much um, going across Australia that he just thought, "I'll I'll go and see Terry." So he went from Sydney to um, uh, uh, to Darwin. Wow. Um, uh, so when I, Tony came through just after I'd moved to Darwin, and there was another couple. Um, uh, Alan and Jeanette who were running Raw Australia 
and they were doing a marathon a day running around um, wow. eating raw yeah. food okay yeah and um, and I bumped into them on the road and it said where are you staying and they said I don't know so it's come so, so I ended up with this fantastic night where I had um, Tony Mangan running around the world and Alan and Jeanette who were running around Australia staying at my house the yeah. one night that, and they met each other <laughs> yeah and they've been actually just missing each other around that but I felt like I was the running capital of the world yeah <laughs> like I had these celebrities in my house around yeah. that so I've um, and I've kept in contact with those people around it and there's so many other people that came through Darwin anyone that came through Darwin around doing stuff um, I went out of my way to provide support to them yeah um, and so I've always wanted to do something stupid like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, a friend of mine who I started running with in Alice Springs, Kathy Moyland, who I've you know, kept in contact with, she rode a bike from um, Port Augusta to Karamba as a golf-to-golf, coast-to-coast thing. Yeah. And it just sort of stuck in my mind around that. I'd always wanted to do the Heisen Trail, mm-hmm. end-to-end. And so somewhere in that I thought, put the two together. Um, you know the other I mean, you're right you get asked lots of questions why and you sort of do it because you do it and then yeah. the, the answer to the why changes all the time yeah and I totally get that I don't think people who don't do who, do, who don't run and people who don't hang around people who do these kind of things get that that's but, right yeah, yeah you know, it becomes normalised well I mean I said, I said to um uh, just in the background there is my six-year-old grandchild who, yeah. was, who came out and walked with Kira, came out and walked with me, and she was there at the finish. And, and you know, like in, um, she's, she, in eight, eight, 80 years' time, she'll be um, 86, and she'll be saying, my, I was there with my grandfather when he walked across the country, yeah. the continent, and she'll probably say, and I still don't know why he did it. <laughs> and, yeah. But, but you know, the other thing I said when I finished the other night was one of the things that I had learnt was why I did it was um, each of my, I've got four kids and each of the kids came out and supported me walked with me for a number of days, a couple of days yeah, Ellie came out three days Nick two days, you know that sort of stuff and I didn't know that would happen and that was just so beautiful, spending time with them around it, I was just so honoured by that and um, and I had a sense that you sort of one of the reasons why I was doing it, which I didn't know, was I was actually doing it for them, and it was part of this thing around saying, um, I've always said to them, you've got to grab life by the balls, you've got to do things. If yeah. you set out and do it, do it. And they were seeing me set out and do something, and there was a sense that I was, I I don't know, there was this weird sense of giving them that gift of you know, actually seeing me do. Follow your dreams. You can make it. And, and then I did it. Here I am achieving. You can too. It's tough. Yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. I just and they were seeing it in first hand. Me setting out to do something that that was enormous. It was mm-hmm. epic. Um, and I had never. That was never in the wildest dreams from the beginning around that. In terms of that, I, I never had thought. And that's just one of the many many things like that. You, you know, the whys and the reasons just keep changing all the time. Yeah. Around that. But I. I, I I think it's really worthwhile. I've said to people, I just had the best time. Yeah. <laughs> but that sense of if, that you, you, at the end of the day, I'm really proud that I listened to my voice that was saying, 
go and do it. It's yep. been saying that for a long time. Mm. And I was really proud that I got the opportunity to do it. Just people supporting me to do it. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's a very long-winded answer. No, no. <laughs> but but I, th- I think everyone's motivated to do different things at different times. Mm. And I've had this long-held dream. I just want to do something stupid long-term. Yeah. And I'm so pleased I did it. Excellent. <laughs> I think the stupid things end up being the most memorable. Well, I often... The most meaningful. The, well, I told, told this, the one guy came up to me, and especially in northern Queensland, when I, anywhere in Queensland, and he said, um, uh, mate, um, you're mad. And I said, are you all right? And I, I said, he said, what do you mean? I said, you're the first person in two weeks who hasn't called me effing mad. <laughs> Wherever I went, people were just saying, you're effing mad, you're effing mad, yeah. in terms of that. So. Yeah. Um, you said before that you ended up not really training because moving house and job getting very intense and everything. Um, but I know you've got a personal trainer to try and help you out. So when you made the decision this is happening, what were some of the things you did to physically prepare? Oh, look, I think... Um, so... I originally was intending to do this uh, 12 months ago and then with COVID delayed it 12 months yeah. and then in fact when I did it COVID was worse than, than around that. Um, so when I started, a friend of mine Robson Bond in, who's a coach, a different kind, triathlete coach in uh, Darwin, he said you want to really make sure that when you finish that you're not um, wrecked and that you never want to run again you actually want to use this as the base for you know if you're turning 60 you want to use this as the base for the next 20 years of your life of running around that and he said um really good to get nutrition advice and really good to get see a personal trainer so i started seeing um someone he and robson i went together to see jacob phillips from a gym in uh in darwin and so I, I did that for 18 months, and that week in, week out, whenever I was yeah. there around there, and it was only for an hour a week, um, and it like like um, from December to from beginning of December to when I started, I didn't bugger all any exercise. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. seriously, because I was so busy with work and selling the house and getting ready to move and stuff, and. Um, what I'd done prior to that was, and I've done this before, which is interesting. I, Maybe um, <laughs> I, just to get myself back into fitness, around I do a hundred hours, a hundred days, yeah. and for this one I did just get to do this. Um, I did two hours a day for two hundred days. Yeah. So like just push riding or walking or running around that. I was doing two hours a day, and I did two hundred days. So I lost a lot of weight, got that down around it, and then came down and ran Eurovilla, and then when I got back, I lost the plot in yeah. terms of those things. But I think. You know, I wrote the other day in the, in the blog that um, I, I just finished so well and so strongly that I could easily have turned around and gone back. Yeah. I have physically, I just can't believe how well my body's handled it. Yeah. And I think a lot of that must have to do with the, the core strength stuff that I had mm. around that. that um, and we were, we were really lucked out with a good trainer that was designing stuff for us yeah. around, um, it was all designed around my trek around yeah. that. So whatever he was doing... Worked. I yeah. I finished three months of walking, 3,000 Ks, with, you know, with not a lot of... I, I mean, yes, I had support, um, but um, 
I think when I worked out in South Australia, I've been in South Australia for uh, two months of walking, um, and I've had four days rest days in that time. So it was yeah. pretty consistent mm. around that. And I, I just, um, I've been not well since I finished, and coming back to a cold house and those things. Um, I just, it's been a bit of this moment of feeling like I felt, I felt like a superhero human. <laughs> I've been so feeling so old and cold yeah. the last while yeah. that um, the uh, I just wonder where did I get that strength to do what I did? Yeah, because it just came so easily. I just, I, you know, it was hard work. Some days I was mm. walking fifty k a day, um, but I didn't ever really struggle wow at all that's I just, incredible and i just enjoyed it so much yeah and yeah i was getting a little bit tired through some of the back second third like you know the last bits around getting up in the morning and being in a different place like you're you're you're, you're a gypsy for three months yeah and i was getting a little bit tired of that but once i got started i just enjoyed it so much and um when i you know, if if I had wanted to, and had you know, even from the beginning, I reckon, and trained harder, I could have made um, gone up to sixty k's a day yeah. regularly around that. If I'd really pushed myself around that in terms of it. And do you think your body just got used to it? Oh yeah, no, that's the yeah. other thing I was going to say. Like, how do you train for something like this? And um, I, yeah. we always used to laugh that I said to people, the only way I can train is to be. Uh, I said um, the first day of the, of the third or fourth week, mm. if I'm still going strong then, um, the training from the first two weeks w- will help me to yeah. do that around yeah. that. And so, like I was, I was walking, I wasn't running, and I don't know what, I think there's a difference there around that, you know, like um, these guys that have run the high in 12 days, that's the, I think, uh, David... Is it David Turnbull? And yeah, and Felix as well. That's right, Felix ran yeah. one. And then also um, uh, the first one that did it was um, Richard Bowsey did it in terms of... Um, yeah. um, a good story around Richard was um, he's supported by his partner Vicky and they were the first ones to run it and I was in Darwin and watching them because I, I love watching that's why I did the blog so other people could watch yeah, me yeah, yeah. around that and when he got close to Adelaide um, I went on the on Facebook and got all these people to actually go out and support him yeah. and um, Deej Jamison and Simon Porteous ran with him for three days and Jen and Sterling Grenecki took him in around that and I wrote and said come on yeah. Yeah. and when I got around I bumped into um, Richard and Vicky and um in Melbourne, they found out I was in Melbourne, and they said, "Who are you?" And I said, "What do you mean? Are you the mafia?" And I said, "What do you mean?" Uh, they said, "Wherever we got close to Adelaide, all these people came out to yeah. support us." And they were saying, "And we said, well, how come you know about us?" And they said, "Well, Terry and Darwin said we had to come and support you." <laughs> it was so lovely in terms of yeah. people did. Yeah. And um, and then Richard supported Deej when he did one of the mountain runs in yeah. Victoria anyway just lovely that yeah, sort of yeah. mutual looking after people around there and for him I'm sure running the Hyson in the last three days when he had someone with him when he was most tired mm. and didn't have to worry about where he's going because he had these guys that 
knew the roots yeah. in, oh, that's great. in terms of that. Um, another big question would be 3,000 kilometres foot care. Now I'm looking at your feet right now. Not a No black toenails. Congratulations. There's a few... There's, there's a few um, <laughs> There's a few um, nails lost. No, um, so one of the things I did was, because I've had, um, I, I, first, the, the one and only time I did the Heisen 105, I pulled out at 93 with really bad blisters. Um, I 93. I, I had 12k to go, yeah. and I couldn't, it would have been another four hours at the pace I was going, and it was, um, uh, people were catching up with me, and I put my, I got to 43k that day, and my foot had disappeared down a rabbit hole and cracked my ankle really badly. Yeah. And so I was doing a lot of walking after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to 75k and uh, they said, let's have a look at your feet. And I said, no, if you have a look at my feet, you won't let me go on. And probably should have, like mm-hmm. what I know now. So I've had, um, my feet have been a bit famous at different times <laughs> in some of the photographs that Pete, that we've put up around it. Um, yeah. Like I, I literally couldn't walk after that one for about um, a week around that. Um, so I was really nervous how my feet would go around this. And, uh, I went and did Rebecca Rushton's course on um, blisterprevention.com. Okay. And I think, I know of, I've never met Rebecca, but she's come to the six-day events here a couple yep. of times. And I think when I look at what Rebecca's... What I learned from her is that she's actually um, really skilled from the experience that she's had in knowing how, in advising you how to look after your feet and still keep going. Yeah. That's one thing. And then what you might do around prevention around that. So um, I got to bandaging and strapping my feet a lot whenever they were getting sore. Yeah in a sort of preventative like just the base of the sole and those things so where you're you're, you're expanding the, the point of of friction yeah. or whatever it's called around that um and then when i got to concurry the first time i thought i was doing fine in fact i had blisters on my heels and then so i walked from concurry to bullia with with quite significant blisters but really well padded yeah around there and by the time i got there 10 days later um, they were okay. Okay, yeah. Um, th- there were times when I went to bed at night wondering um, if I was going to be able to go the next day. Mm-hmm. In fact, your feet, funny around it is your feet, the first two or three K are a bit sore, your toes are sore, and then it gets okay. And then um, uh, when you stop, that's when they start to get sore yeah. around there in terms of, and then during the night time I had problems walking at times wow. around that in terms of, and it also depends on the surface you know like if you're on bitumen it's okay okay and then if you're on dirt tracks there's a lot of dirt around and stones around there yeah yeah so um no, no in the end by the time I got to the, uh, after the first thousand k <laughs> Um, my feet were in pretty good nick. Excellent. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. was, I, and I was learning really how to look after them. I, I, I went through two pairs of shoes. Um, I had a, uh, both Hoka's and I had the Bondi um, Sevens or whatever they call them um, for the road, and then I had the um, Speed Goats for the um, trail. 
and I generally I probably use the uh, the, the Bondi's more. Yeah. But it's really good having different shoes to change to give your toes a bit of a break because your toes get squished. Yeah. My toes get squished into different things around that. And um, and early on in the piece, I was looking at bandaging all my toes, and I didn't need to do that anymore. So, mm. but just by changing shoes gave them a break. But in the end, um, I, I feel like I learned a lot about foot care. Yeah. And um, particularly how to bandage if you've got blisters and not to break them. Yeah. Around that stuff, and that I was just following Rebecca's videos around all that, and I had lots of bandage to put on, and. Um, some days, um, it, I'll be spending 15 minutes bandaging before I went out. Oh, wow. It's like really... You know, really getting get the toes it. right around that stuff because... And then the other thing was carrying stuff with you. Mm-hmm. And if I ever had anything where I started to feel stuff, stop and treat it. And like, yeah. like, don't, don't let blisters form. I learned really quickly. Okay. If you, once you, you have a blister, it can be 10 days to recover from it. Yeah. Um, so I don't let it form yeah. around that in terms of it and I, I didn't do that early on and I, did, I got much yeah. better at that in the end around all that so yeah. one of the good things about doing a thing for three months is um, when you're as thick as I am you've got a good, <laughs> a good chance to have good learning opportunities around yeah. that so my, you know my feet are in pretty good nick yeah. for, uh, for what they've done in terms of it um, the shoes um, are interesting in that generally I reckon the, the soles of the um, Bondi's are a bit starting to wear but back, the thing that wears most is the inside of the shoe the back of the, the, the lining yeah, yeah. around that in terms of it and um, I, thought, I thought it would be the soles and another part it's actually those are the bits inside, that, yeah. that, um, that I mean the shoes look like they could do another Particularly the uh, speed goes another thousand k's, I reckon. But it's the uh, the inside lining the inside. That, yeah. that is uh, interesting. That that's the problem. Yeah, and energy, and um, yeah, food and, and water would have been a big logistical. Yeah. So remember, I had someone the whole time supporting me, mm. and um, I think um, early in the on of the piece, I was because it was so hot. I was actually. Um, uh, I just decided it was cooler to walk in the night time so I was getting up at, and leaving at 1 o'clock to, getting up at 12.30 and um, uh, and then Pete who was supporting me would often come past when I'd done 35k mm. so I was carrying enough water um, and food for, for 35k yeah. um, and basically and then he would come by with off, you know, I got spoiled like, yeah. <laughs> like someone, somebody said, "Oh, you're doing you, you're doing pampered run or something around there." And I said, "Yeah." Um, uh, uh, but um, so, like, I would be walking thirty-five k seven or eight hours yeah. um, by myself through the night, and then he'd come by, yeah. um, and um, and so generally, I had enough muesli bars. I had muesli bars. And I was going to ask what kind of things did you eat. Yeah, no, I had... Because um, in ultras, you can tend to just eat crap because it's really only one day. Um, but this is three months. So. Yeah, so, so uh, one of the funny stories was a young guy uh, early on in the piece said, um, mate, that's amazing. This was, this was up near the Bergen Wheels Roadhouse. 
so it's probably about 400k in and he says mate when you get to um uh cape Turvis, you're gonna be an effing rich god <laughs> and uh, so this whole thing became i was on the effing greek god diet and <laughs> yeah. um i was um uh all you can eat all you can drink you just got to exercise 40k a day around that so i was yeah. eating anything and everything um uh you know we were eating normal meals once you know i was exercising eight or nine ten hours a day yeah. 11 hours and then eating meals um but during the day the other thing i did was i had I survived on um, up and goes as well. Oh, yeah. I had a couple of up and goes. Would take them with me, so I would have one of those at ten and one of them at twenty, or fifteen and twenty-five k, um, with a chocolate muesli bar, like, and use those. Generally, I, or I, I generally, every five k, I was having something to eat, and I know that from long distance cycling that I've done. Like it just pays to. So I was having a muesli bar. Um, so I was carrying that trickling it in yeah so so I was taking um, a music bar at 5k and then an up and go on a music bar at 10 and then another one at 15 and around that so and generally that's about on the hour little roughly I was doing about 5k an hour around that so it worked out that's that's what I did in terms of and I used it as much as just a reward and stuff around that um, you know, for the first um, thousand k, when I was walking, even the first nineteen hundred k, when I was walking through the night time, in terms of even when we got into Murray and up to the, when we started the Flinders, uh, the the Heisen Trail at um, uh, in Parachuna Gorge, um, up until then I'd been walking mainly in the night time yeah. around there, and I, when I've run, I've always really enjoyed running early morning if we're doing marathon training or something it's lovely to watch the sun rising it just segments the time mm. differently so i was using muesli bars and the sun you know i knew yeah. the sun would be rising each time and you're on these roads that are quite endlessly straight yeah um around that and um so um i i used i used the food as much as anything to segment the day yeah. around that as I was just pushing forward around that. Um, having said that, there were a lot of people that made comments around when I, sh- I took a lot of photographs and uploaded them to the, uh, the blog and they just said, oh my God, that's a whole, there must be a whole exercise in mindfulness to actually just have these whole roads as far as you can see and you get to the top of them and it's mm. another straight road around that. I think for me, I was just in the right place at the right time. I was never um, really um, stressed out by that at all. Yeah. Um, I said to people that I was really looking forward to just having time to let the neural pathways in my brain untangle. Yeah. And at the end of, different, of days, I actually um, felt like I'd had a head massage. Oh, wow. Like physically... Felt physically different. Physically like I'd actually oh. had... like it is. So I just... Uh, um, of saying to lots and lots of people, if you ever get a chance to, it's like a detox type thing whereby you just physically move into this mode of, of and things that I'd, that I'd actually resigned my job in the end, I was going to go back, I resigned. Yeah. Things that, I, that they might have asked me to do, I can't even remember them. Wow. Like, that really, really changed you. Oh, I, I, yeah. I can go, I could get back into it, but I've forgotten the names of different 
computer programs and things that I, yeah. I, I felt like it was a physical change. I was just looking for the wording because I, I can't see it. Um, someone has asked me to ask you about you know, that motivation to keep going. How do you deal with the boredom? They were curious about that aspect of it. But it doesn't sound like you really experienced my, that. I, my, one of my daughters said to me in a little card or something when I left it was stay in the present moment. Mm. And I think like I, that's cliche. But geez, it's so true in terms of that. And even when we were, when I would support people and they were looking at where I was going that day and they would describe, and I said, I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to know roughly yeah. around it, but I don't want to know different things around it. Or when they said, you know, someone would say, oh, you've got a hell day ahead of you. There's no such thing as a hell day. Mm. I'm doing this because I want to do it. Yeah. And if it rains and if it pours, I'm going to enjoy that. I just yeah. had this. I made a discipline myself to do that around it, and so even where it was long straight roads, um, I just locked it into myself that I was here to enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I didn't have any. I never allowed myself, and I thought that um, there, you know, of course there were a couple of times mm. where uh, <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah. Um, but 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 minimally. Mm. And it, I think like, I, I, it's now when I look now in a couple of days afterwards and I haven't been that well and I think how the hell did I do that? But <laughs> I did it and, I, and, yeah. um, and I, I just enjoyed it. So I think part of it was I was just enjoying it so much. Yeah. It was such a release. It was doing something I wanted to do for a long time. Yeah, as you say, you looked forward to it for such a long time and then delayed it a year. So, yeah, and then yeah. I was doing it. Yeah. And I was doing it so well. Like I yeah. wasn't... Like I was... I was um, I wasn't struggling yeah. to do you know I was there were things that I was having to overcome around it from blisters to um, but my body you know other than I got shin splints coming into Birdsville yeah. and um, and I was a bit worried about that and then it cleared up and you know like I've walked three thousand k and my body as sixty one year old man has no complaints could it go back and do it tomorrow seems like it's mad with you that you've finished <laughs> you've gotten sick now that you've that's stopped. right that's right yeah no it's like i was just um every morning it was like can't wait to get back on the trail yeah. and we've got the you know the last but you know so that i had time in you know i, I did a 51 day um coming into uh, Kapunda the other day yeah. around that, you know, with, um, and I promised my son would come out, Nick, I promised that we'd go to the pub. And so I ran the last 4K yeah. so we could get to the pub on time. I was feeling, yeah, and I was like, this is so good. Yeah, it's in so such a high when you start to gain that level of, of yeah. fitness and comfort and enjoyment. And, and that's how, I think the main thing was I just enjoyed it so much. Mm. It's amazing how the body adapts. It is amazing, yeah. you know. Like that's that's the other one of the things I really learned was when I went to bed at night with my feet sore from blisters early on. I wondered whether I could go the next day a number of times early on, and I just was amazed at when I woke up how well I felt, mm. and and the body was doing stuff in six to seven hours with my feet to get them into a place that they weren't in when I went to sleep. Yeah, and. And I thought it's amazing the body's capacity around that. Yeah. And I, you know, I said that 
I just needed to get my fitness into a way that I could start the, the, the third week or the fourth week around that. And when it was happening, I thought, oh my God, it's happening. I'm, I'm on that day and I'm doing all right. Yeah. And so I think one, like for me, if I go and do some long distance running around this and backing stuff up, the thing that I've learned is um, the capacity of the human body to respond to stuff. Yeah. Um, and to it's just in, incredible like, I don't think I've pushed it at all yeah and it's capacity to recover and to keep you on track yeah like, I'm just I'm just I mean <laughs> I'm in I'm in awe at my body a 61 year old man yeah that can go out and walk that and feel at the end of it let's go back let's go back could it easily yeah. have turned yeah. around and gone back or gone on yeah in terms of there's nothing I just felt really strong and well yeah. in terms of it so I'm just blown away by by that and I think that's a real you know like there's stuff you learn and then there's stuff you learn yeah <laughs> and that's a really big learning for me around what yeah. is a capable what's capable around that that these bodies that we have and given they just have this incredible capacity to to do stuff that is beyond our wild streams that's awesome <laughs> you're probably planting the seed now and a whole lot of other Minds the way it was planted in you. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I one of the things I used to love about being part of the early days of Eurovilla was, um, uh, you know, I remember we were riding our bikes and we met someone at the top of the group of at the top of Mount Lofty, and you could see we asked them about Eurovilla and they said it's a run on it, won't you? Yeah. And you could see one of the young women that was there. The rest of them thought we were stupid, but you could see something was going on. And, yeah, yeah. And and I said, I reckon you'll be there ten years time. Within the next ten years, you'll be running your umbrella. Something about ultra running and that stuff that yeah. gets planted in things around that. And the first one of the slogans that we had in the other days about doing your umbrella was, "There's only one thing worse than running your umbrella. It's not running it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sitting at home thinking, "Oh, if only I was there." Yeah. Around that turns it mm. yeah mm. and you would have had a few adventures along the way and I think there was a wild boar yeah yeah one of the adventures like what happened there <laughs> oh that's an interesting story and in that when the advertiser did an article on it they yeah. rang me back and said we need do the editor want something more exciting so I had to make up an exciting story <laughs> Um, which they then headlined around it was no about three or four times when you're in Western Queensland we came across in the middle of the night boars mm-hmm. and um, one time as I went um, and they would you'd often um, if, if there was a bit of light you'd see them running around there and they're, they're pretty scary things they're mm-hmm. like big um, but almost small cows type thing around it um, and this one time it was dark and suddenly there was one in front of me and he wasn't going to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nowhere to go. Like The same with sometimes the cows that are on the road around there yeah, and bulls yeah. and things like that. You're actually, um, there's no fencing. And you're actually just hoping that there's no tree to run up around yeah. there and you're a long way from anybody. Um, uh, this, this guy board just actually just stood his ground and I had a really strong torch yeah and I made sure I so I knew he couldn't see what I was yeah 
he was totally blinded by the torch and I just trusted that um, that was enough to um, distract him from doing anything with me but I was holding my breath for a while there yeah. as he decided what to do around that and then he said oh well enough and it went off okay right? <laughs> oh jeez but, but when we had a few encounters with snakes and things but generally um, uh, it was pretty non-eventful mm. in terms of um, you know, I was racking my brain to think of exciting things yeah. to tell the avatar was it those long stretches of road was there any um, danger with traffic were you able no. to stay away from well the... particularly by doing in the um, in the night time there's not a lot of traffic at night time and I had I was I was made sure I was really well clothed and lit up and I had torches back and front yeah. around that. Um, you know, the major thing was that people said to me, aren't you scared you're out in the middle of the night and, um, you know, like three o'clock in the morning, cars, might, one car might go past. Mm. Um, generally, they were more scared of me than you know, a mad person walking along. Yeah, and yeah. generally, they were a truck or something yeah, around yeah. there. And so um, uh, one time I was coming back and these two cars pulled up and they were two young ladies and they were talking to me and I'm thinking why are you guys talking to me like, like it's just crazy for uh, they were only doing it because there was two of them one after mm. the other but I just yeah. thought it's dangerous for you guys to be stopping and talking to me mm. in the middle of the night out here around there so um, yeah um, mm. so I, I didn't um, uh, in the daytime when cars were coming along um, you know didn't have any issues around that. Um, often, like on the Birdsville track, um, cars are so, um, you know, like you'd have about maybe 20 cars all day around that max, and often cars would come up and pull up beside you and um, talk to you for 15, 20 minutes right. around that. In terms, they had some lovely conversations with people. Um, uh, one, one, one of my favourite moments was a guy young guy pulled up next to me somewhere and he said to you all right and yeah do you need any water no he says what about a beer well it was it was quarter past nine in the morning yeah and I said well now you're talking I've been up yeah. since two and he pulled over and he had a full esky full of ice ice cold beer on it in terms of really? he says haven't you heard of beer at breakfast and so everybody I had a great delight in telling this story wherever yeah. I went um I told people in Mangarangi the pub that's halfway between on the Birdsville track, Queensland couple. Well, they went past the next morning and they pulled out with a beer. Oh, and yeah. I told a group in Crystal Brook where we were going and they left four beers for me. So wherever I told that story, <laughs> it just kept multiplying in terms of people leaving stuff for me around yeah. that in terms of it. So there were lots of really lovely encounters, you know. Yeah. There was an, another encounter where you know, people would pull up next to you and they say, you are right, mate? Yeah. Uh, just going for a stroll and it's like yeah going to Adelaide uh, you're going the wrong effing way to Adelaide mate no no I'm going this way he says you're still effing mad you know yeah, yeah. Like, it's just this, this <laughs> uh, and up there someone we pulled in we were having dinner at a roadhouse and um, the guy took our order and he says so what are you guys doing he said oh by the way there's a, we, we hear there's a bloke walking to Adelaide you might look out for him when you're out there I said yeah that's me mate you know? yeah <laughs> So there's all these lovely, fun encounters. Yeah. Um, and we, we, you know, in between places, there's not a lot of pubs. We stopped off at pubs when we could. Mm. 
and they were great chances to to just meet and and the word would get around that this is the bloke that was walking to Adelaide and yeah. and people would come up and talk to you you know like yeah, it just yeah. it was quite it was quite fun in terms of I'm reasonably shy and I suddenly had all these people just making conversation with it was like oh this is easy in terms of making friends on the road yeah because no, it re- sounds like a really isolating experience to just be out in the outback walking for three months but well these are like these you, are the moments really got to do a lot of socializing these are the moments in between yeah and then something would happen on the day yeah. and sometimes there'd be nothing mm. around that and it's the same when i got closer to adelaide people a lot of people came out and went walked with me and they said are you um is that a problem for you and I said, no, no, I'm enjoying it having crossed the desert now. Mm-hmm. But I also really enjoyed, you know, I think the last couple of days I was out by myself through Cape Jervis and, yeah. and you know, through the Deep Creek and stuff. And I just really enjoyed it's beautiful, yeah. being by myself. Having said that, twice on the second last day, people came up to me and said, are you Terry? And it's like, I said, yeah, like, how do you know me? And... Um, friends of theirs had been following my blog and they knew they were down there and so they'd actually sent them the blog and said oh you might run into this guy and then um, I told this at the end there was three young ladies that came up and said are you Terry and I was like yeah and they said oh we thought it might be you but you look too fresh (laughs) I was like oh thanks that's so nice we thought you'd be haggard and um, and um stumbling and stuff around yeah we didn't expect to see you so anyway that was lovely to get the on your penultimate day yeah from from them around that but the other side of it particularly once you got to the hyson like i've done sections of the hyson before but to do it end to end is a treat yeah um and it's just extraordinary mm. like how was navigation in your track i ended up um Sarah Murphy, someone, people had come on and said who knew, uh, I, um, I ended up getting a GPS for the phone yeah. for, of the Hyson, which was really good. Cause yeah, cause some a, parts of the Hyson are really tricky. That's right. You know, it <laughs> says um, follow the river and um, 4K, there's no signs and you want to make sure that you're still in the right river. Yes. Around that. Yeah, they follow the so creek. fork off. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's weird. right. Yeah, in those, <laughs> In those things. So having that GPS, and even then, mm. um, uh, different times I made mistakes and was, wasn't paying attention and missed signs. And, yeah, it's easy. And in terms of that. So having the GPS was really good. I've never been a great GPS on my watch person, but having it on the phone was really good. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I had maps and... Um, on my phone and on the paper maps as well with mm-hmm. me around that. So, you know, I, I didn't... Um, the main thing, thing when we were in the Hyson was was I had... Having had... I mean, the, remember the whole time I had someone supporting me? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where... When people said to me, you're crazy, you haven't done any training, you're going out. I said, well, I'm actually... There's no rules to this and I'm making up the rules. Yeah. And um, so I only need to go as far as I need to go and I've got a support person there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, it's not as if I'm going out into the wilderness around that. that. When we got to the Hyson, there's lots of points where you have to um, meet people on the other side mm. all the time. And that was difficult at times, particularly around, um, there's no phone range yeah. around that. Yeah. 
in terms of I didn't have a um, GPS, you know, a spot or one of those things. I should have mm. done that. Not for me so much, but for the other people that were to be able to find you, or just to know I was okay. Yeah, because there were times when, you know, in retrospect, I've stumbled and fell lots of times. It's really rocky. I, yeah. you know, I actually was surprised at how hard the high sun is. You know, like when it says um, uh, follow the creek, and it's three hours later, you're still following the creek around there, and you just there's no there's no trail. You're just in a creek bed for three hours, up and down around there, and you stumble and fall. Yeah. And I was lucky; I never hurt, injured myself. Mm. That could have really twisted anything around that. Yeah. And that's where I really should have had. Something. So people can find you. Yes, right. Yeah. In ter- or snakes. Yes. Around that, in terms yeah. of it. So that, in retrospect, and in fact, the original plan was to come down through Inaminka to turn off at um, Walker's Crossing. And we made a decision not to do that for a number of reasons. And one was it's 12 days once you turn off to get into Inaminka. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how much traffic would be on that road. Yeah, yeah. And um, so just decided it was too, without a, a, um, a EPIRB, I just shouldn't do it. I should have got that yeah. around that stuff. Yeah. So you were saying before how, you know, you have almost had to justify it a bit. I've got a support person. I'm doing my thing. Like, But we, it's very normalised for us to be in jobs and we're very intense and we're working hard eight plus hours a day highly stressing our bodies and that's normal but yeah I'm going to go out and walk for the day day after day is oh what are you doing no, but no. when you put the two together it's like yeah no in fact really that in fact I actually think the um, just uh, well I comment is the the intensity of the job that I did for so long was probably the best training that I did <laughs> yeah like that's what I would you say bo- you, your body doesn't know the difference between the causes of the stress it just knows stress that's right yeah so I actually was um, and it was compared to what I was doing this was just a joy mm. as much as I enjoyed my job um, around that and and just being singularly focused without having to do multiple things yeah so those but I think the you know like I've often worked Saturdays or Sundays and gone in and walked work 12 hour days to catch up on stuff and that was like that reminded me of going out and doing a 12 hour walking day mm. and it's just I just got to get this done and get to it and I, I do that all the time so yeah. there was no big difference for me <laughs> around no. that and I actually said to myself a number of times um, uh, the best training that I've done I haven't been doing physical training but I've been doing the head training yeah around there and again which I said before it was just the right time for me yeah and and the decisions I made to leave my job and to come back and around that it just it just was really I was in this unwinding time yeah and that was so good and healthy Mm -hmm. and the other thing was I just hadn't had time to you know one of the things I it's it's I just really so enjoyed the time I had to think yeah that's what I say to people. If you get a chance to, it's like a, a three month retreat where you actually go and spend that amount of time with yourself. And my parents had died in the last couple of years, and I hadn't really had a chance to um, process that at one level. 
had hours and hours and hours to be sort of thinking about them, talking to them, and you know, like yeah. So so many things like that that I, I just um, one of the things I've been asked uh, uh, by different people saying you're not doing it for charity. And, and I said, no, I've worked in the charitable sector for a long time around that. And I said, I'm just doing it. This is totally self-indulgent. This is all about me. I've always wanted to do something like this. I said, and if you want to know something about mental health and physical health, I'm as mentally and physically well as I've ever been. Yeah. Like, I don't, if you need a statement or an advertisement around that, like, there <laughs> yeah, it is. There it is, yeah. In terms of that, because I've just had this wonderful time. And... Um, and, and gifted myself that. Yeah. Well, I was gifted it by other people. Yeah. As well, I, I really acknowledge that. But I, but at the end of the day, I look back and think, um, it's, the, it's it's been it was the best of times for all those reasons around that. That I, that I would say to anyone, if you ever get the opportunity to do it, I'd do it again. Yeah. Like it's just so wonderful around that. And I think the notion too of. Um, the particular model that I had in that I had the two Pete's supporting me mm. and um, that's you know lots of people have gone and done things where they push trolleys or those sorts of things mm. around that so I was really spoiled having had that capacity around that in yeah. terms of that you know I just think that's it's, it works as a model yeah, yeah it does uh, now I didn't get to listen to the live cross of your finish on ABC Radio, but you were worried you were going to be a blubbering mess. <laughs> You've been, been assured it would make great radio. Um, what was it like reaching oh, that finish? I was a blubbering wreck. <laughs> yes, and it was, um, so the, what was nice was um, my son Nick um, FaceTimed it live, and we at one stage, like, that's amazing, we had about 40 people watching it finish from all over yeah. the world. Yeah. People, friends overseas that have been following and that yeah. was really nice and a lot of people from Adelaide that have commented and um, people that we met along the way like so that was um, and then Charlie King who does NT Grandstand the Territory Grandstand yeah. um, had asked me to because um, he'd, he'd done weekly interviews with me he'd picked up the story and that's why I went so I, part of my issue around it was also the whole thing of doing something media type thing when you're living that it's a distraction yeah. from doing it yeah yeah and then I also had people there that I wanted to honor around that I didn't want to be on the phone yeah when I did that um, so that was one of my things for not wanting to do it and, um, and but I really wanted to thank Charlie for and Charlie was saying let's go live and so in the end I went live yeah. my finish went live to in Darwin radio like yeah, ABC yeah. radio like but in terms of, and you know, I said one of the things I said to Charlie in that was um, my first interview that he did, he squeezed me between Laurie Lawrence and Greg Chapel. Um, and I was the one that had the theme music. And I said, um, Charlie, you, 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 like these legends that I had grown up with, and there I was in the middle, and he was talking to me yeah. around that. And I was like, little me in terms of that. <laughs> and he, I said that to him the other day, and he says, Terry, they haven't walked 3,000 k's, mate. <laughs> Greg Chaffin and Larry Lawrence have never walked 3,000 k's. And um, I said, well, thank you. know, I just so, And the other thing I was, and the same with the Facebook stuff, I've done stuff before, a couple of, I did a 1,000 k bike ride with the Twitter before I went I know if you use Facebook well 
it's a real for me around that or something like that having a blog and people being part of it it just motivates you to it, it's a you can use it to really you know i enjoyed taking people on the journey with me yeah and it got me up every morning knowing that i had people that were following me yeah, yeah. in terms of that so um, that's great um, and the same with with charlie's interest around the going at weekly crosses around mm. it in terms of it. like it just um and i i think the other stuff around it was um and i didn't i didn't do it to make a statement but the statement that you're making is um here's a 61 year old um person that's interested in doing this and is doing it yeah and they can do it yeah and um a lot of people get Think you're stupid, and a lot of people think you're really inspired by it. And yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So you just do it. So in the end, I was a blubbering mess. Yeah. Um, you can watch it on um, FaceTime. Yeah. Me doing. You can, I've li- we sat here and listened to the interview the other day, a couple of days after it happened around that, and yeah. um, I think it made good radio. Yeah. <laughs> and Charlie got back and said thanks very much around that. And so anyway. Um, uh, I'd do it again. It was good fun. Now, you keep saying you'd do it again, and um, you plan to do it at least the Heisen Trail part. You want to turn around and go back the other direction than the Heisen Trail. I feel I I met people on the trail that are actually hiking the whole thing, carrying their packs for 58 days. And I feel like I was just a a cheat, you know? (laughs) And I think the best thing about doing the Heisen north to south is that you can just turn around and do it south to north and you wouldn't know around that. Um, I was I fell in love with a lot of the... Um, the Heisen's got these fantastic huts that they've restored. You know, we spent three nights at the Hallett railway station. Um, so I just, yeah. I just thought I would actually really enjoy going and hiking um, through the, and staying in the huts. Yeah. Was, how'd you go finding places to sleep? Did you ever get a bit stuck? Well, we, had a, we had a trailer. Yeah. A camper trailer. There was always somewhere to set it up. Or? Oh, we just basically, you know, on the you look at some of the photographs on the um, Birdsville track. Um, that's what this lady said. I'm glamping it, and it's like, Matt, lady, you should see where we camped because there were no trees. Yeah. Um, it's just gibber. Yeah. And we basically just pulled twenty meters off the road, and that's where we camped. Yeah. Around that, and it there was nowhere else to pull up. Yeah. Around that. Um, occasionally on the um, Birdsville there's a couple of stations and Mm -hmm. they have campgrounds and then there's some other camping ground we found one that I laughed I had a bit of a stomach complaint and it was only sort of for a couple of days and the the guide said to us there's a a campsite ahead with a flushing toilet it's the only flushing toilet um, on the Birdsville track, there was nothing there in the campground but a flushing toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and when you've got a stomach complaint, yeah. uh, having a flushing toilet is a good thing yeah. in terms of it. But there was nothing in this campsite except this <laughs> toilet. Yeah. And it flushed. And it was wow. like, anyway, we just sort of laughed at, at um, what are the chances of finding a flushing yeah. toilet on the Birdsville track around that. Right um, when you needed it. When you need it most <laughs> in terms of it. There is a God. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you have any other itches you want to scratch? Any other big adventures in, in the back of your mind? Uh, okay, so one of the things for me that was really 
important about doing this and I just don't know where it will go to. Um, one of the things around doing this that it actually leaves you with a sense if you can do this, and I say this really humbly, mm-hmm. if you can do that, then what can't you do? There's a, there's a mm. bit of that sense of, like, of um, have, have big audacious goals mm-hmm. around that. And I'm really keen to write something about this. And so I need to have, have my same head around, if I can do the walk, I can do the writing. Yeah. The fact that, you know, we went through 20, across 23 nations around that, and I've always been a person that's really interested in our colonial history and, and those things and those stories. There are lots of stories that I know behind the scenes mm-hmm. around what's happened in those places, and I want to write about those and reflect on it a bit and yeah. find a way to do that. Um, and for me, that's a bit of... There was something quite deep around the personal, but also the whole thing of um, crossing the connecting with country, mm. crossing the land, me and my relationship with the land and our history with this place. I don't know. There's something that I really want to explore that, that in terms of that out, in terms of it. And the blog never really gave you an opportunity. At times it did, but not really around that. Yeah. And... Um, you know, when I get back to Darwin in the next week or so, I've got 40 boxes of books to bring back. I'm a great collector and reader of, of histories and places around that. So I know a lot of the stories around where, I, where we went. Mm. Um, one of the stories was um, McKinley was the... Um, I, I wanted to get the Inaminka and the, I was following the Burke and Wills track oh, yeah. until that time when we turned off. Um, McKinley was sent by the South Australian government to find Bergen Wills. There were four groups that went off in search of them. He found them, mm-hmm. and then it was a good year, so he kept going to Brisbane. And um, I reckon that'd be a a good track to follow McKinley's route yeah. from Adelaide to Brisbane. Um, Leichhardt, we visited um, Port Essington at Coburg Peninsula, the other side of Coburg when we were in Darwin. Um, Leichhardt did a walk from Brisbane to Coburg yeah. through Kakadu. And I think, oh, that's another 3,000 Ks. <laughs> like, I just, I love the notion of following these trails that yeah. part of treks that, that these explorers, white explorers did in early times and finding out the indigenous side of that story. Mm. And, um, and I, you know, I was saying to someone the other day, when I look at the map of um, the world or when I look at, and I come down to look at Australia, I sort of see Terry's trek now. Yeah. You know, I used to see Sturts and Stuarts and yeah. imagine those, and now I've got my trek on yeah. there, and that's silly and f- but fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd love to have some time now to write about it, and then if that was to be get that done, then I would love to go and do some more mm. in some way around it. Because you go back and do what you enjoy, mm. and I. I just enjoyed it so much. I just had, and you know, I've, I've, I've been not so well since I stopped and I just had moments where I, I said to people, I don't know where I got this energy from. Like it just was, I felt like a superhuman. Yeah. And now I feel old and cold <laughs> yeah. around that. So it, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I, I was just, I'm amazed at it. Yeah. Right time, right place. Yeah. Um, that just gave me so much energy around it. Oh, that's great. And so many good things come. And I think 
that's the other thing that you don't know now what will come from it. Mm. You have to have that mindset that other things come from things that you do. Do you know, like I, as I came back, and this is a bit of me coming back to South Australia, I was reconnecting with different people around there, and I was hearing some different stories of things that I'd been part of 12 years ago that have gone on that I never knew around that. I didn't do that, but things came from something that you do. Yeah. And lots of times over the last month as I've come back into Adelaide, I've heard stories, and people are actually coming out because to tell you those stories, mm. that's part of that stuff around that that you didn't know, you know, and um, so it's uh, a legacy. It's a yeah. It's it's yeah. it's actually it's a wonderful gift mm. in terms of that. When and then when you have this moment where you find out those and say, really, you know, look, I, I'll just name one for example. Um, Howard Norton and Pauline Seaman came out, and Howard has was someone that got into running, and I think in his early 50s and then did um, Cedar Summit and then competed, got into Western States and got into um, the um, French runs around um, the UTA, whatever they're called. Mm, UTMB, yeah. And he came 32nd in the world in that, you know. So he's someone from Adelaide. And um, and so and he got to know Lucy Bartholomew very well, mm-hmm. and I was one that got Lucy to come here. Just another sort of blog yeah. connection with Lucy to come to Adelaide in the first place when she was seventeen or eighteen around there. And um, so, but um, Pauline and Howard are Lucy's Adelaide parents. Yeah, around there, and I never knew that. So we we rang and talked to Lucy yeah. um, the day that uh, they walked with me around that, and. Um, that that sort of connection yeah. around that is just really lovely. It's so lovely in terms of those relationships and connections that come back. And I think that's what's always been special about the uh, um, South Australian trail running community mm. around that. I've not I've been not been part of it. I'm looking forward to getting fit and back out there with people now. But it was certainly in the early days, it was yeah. that was built upon that relationship and connectedness and and people just being kind and good to each other mm. and going out and having fun in an external environment. Yeah, it's a great community. Yeah, no. Be good to have you back. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, and I'm living 10 minutes from the start of Eurobilla. Yeah. Around that. That was primary motivator for us to be getting this house. Yeah. In that we're you know, a street back from Valia. Yeah. Around that. So um, first thing is we're back in Darwin in, in a week or so um, is to get my bike back. Mm. So I can get back riding in the uh, Adelaide Hills, having ridden in eight years on flat, flat, flat Darwin, and um, and then um, I've got a pretty good base to build my running on. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. Now you keep talking about your um, blog, which you've done on Facebook. So I'll link that in the show notes, and people can go check out all the cartoons that were drawn for you and read your poetry. No, it's not my poems. Oh, it's not your poetry. Paul Ruggles's. Paul's, sorry, you did write that. Paul Ruggles's poetry. Um, And then you've done a massive thank you post um, trying to capture as many people as possible um, that helped you out along the way. So if you want to see the amount of crew and people behind all this and part of this, um, you can check that out as well. Uh, But yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. It was really great. Thank you. Happy trails, everyone.